It's kind of fun to see some of you coming back, and we're grateful for that. As we prepare for Palm Sunday, and it's this amazing truth that we step into this week that we put aside and remember as Holy Week or the week of the Passion of Christ. And uh, so as we look at the time of the year that this is, it's the time of Passover. And uh, on the Jewish calendar, this is the month of Nisan. And uh, so as we step into remembering the Passover season and the time that's there, this Palm Sunday, because it was Passover, the city of Jerusalem would have grown to about six times its normal population. It would have been bursting at the seams with people all ready to be there. And in the midst of this comes Jesus down the Mount of Olives. And I've been thinking about that this week and and considering what is an illustration that we could get hold of that might help us understand what this looks like. Perhaps you've seen, and I I had a chance this week to open up a a video that somebody had posted on Facebook. One of my friends from the Czech Republic actually had posted this. And it was a video of a a young girl in a courtyard of a European city. And if you've been to a European city, you maybe know this scene where there are people who are looking to support themselves by performing in, in the square. And so what they'll do is they'll stand frozen, you know, and just not moving with a a container below them. And as somebody puts the money, then they begin to do whatever it is that they have chosen to do. Well, this video shows a young girl who comes and she puts a coin right in front of, in, in a hat, right in front of a man who's standing with a string bass. And he begins to play the string bass. And then the next thing you know, somebody comes out and sits on a chair next to him, and there's a cello there. And the cello begins to be played. And as this video unfolds, people continue to come, violinists, bassoonists, timpanis, and and then voices. And by the time the end of this video comes, there's a choral a a chorus, a choir, and an orchestra, and it's at this huge level, and they're singing, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. And And it's amazing, and in the midst of it, what happens because of the declaration of this group of people, there's people who gather all around to watch this. It's called a flash mob, right? You, you've, seen, you've seen these things. Could I suggest to you in many ways, this is what we're looking at as we look at Jesus coming down the Mount of Olives on what we call Palm Sunday. As I said, the city is packed. Six times the normal capacity, people coming in to take part in the Passover, the most sacred time for Jewish people. And so they're there, and there's a crowd, and, and the crowd is there as Jesus comes down this mountain, and there's this declaration that the king is coming. But what does that mean for us, and how can that impact our lives as we look and realize what it means? Now for us, this week that we step into, Easter week, 
Holy Week, the week of the Passion of the Christ, whatever it is that you call that, I would ask you this year to consider carefully what does it mean that Jesus is the King? And what does it mean for your life? Is Jesus your King? And if he is your king, how is that impacting your life? We're going to be looking at several passages. I don't have them all on the screen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 2 a little bit. We'll be in Zechariah 14. We'll be in Psalm 118. And we'll be in Revelation a little bit too, should the Lord allow. Um, and should he tarry till about 1230 or 1 o'clock or Amen. God bless. So take your Bible and let's do this, shall we? All right. I've been so excited to share this passage with you. We wait for a coming king. We wait for a coming king. And the first thing we see is that the king came to save the king came to save. So let's read the account, shall we, of the triumphal entry as we find it here in Luke. I'm going to start at verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you. Where on entering, you will find a colt tied with which no one has ever sat. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, sure enough, his, his owners said, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So here we get a glimpse of what I was telling you about. Jesus is ready to come into Jerusalem. It's been prophesied. It's been foretold that he would be doing this. And here it is. It's happening. The king is coming into Jerusalem. And as he comes, as I said, it's, it's like that, that illustration of the choir and the orchestra that form in that there's a crowd looking on and there's a crowd that is singing the glory of God. And here it's the same thing. Do you see? It's his disciples. As he made his way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice. Now, one of the things we've been looking at this past year is what does it mean to be a disciple? And to be a disciple is to be one who believes in Jesus, one who believes that Jesus came and lived and died and made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. And so what's happening here as we look at this procession, it is a group of people 
who are his disciples, who are gathered together, and as, as this colt is making its way down the Mount of Olives with God incarnate sitting on it, amazing to think about, right? As the king makes his way in, his disciples are calling out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So to stop and think of what's happening there, it's this flash mob, if you will, and people are drawn to the, to the clamor. People are drawn to the praise that the disciples are bringing to this king. And what they're bringing glory to the king for is the fact that he's the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. Jesus will be crucified largely because he claimed and is the king of the Jews. He is the Messiah, the promised one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. When we see that glory in the highest, it reminds us of Luke chapter 2. Luke, as he's talking to Theopolis, as he's remembering the, the life of Christ and trying to help the, the Greek audience um, understand what it means to, to know who Jesus is. Remember that in the beginning of his gospel, he says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom he has pleased. Peace and glory to God in the highest. And so here, as Jesus makes his way towards Jerusalem, where he will die within a few days, the same declaration, peace and glory to God in the highest. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The, the people would have understood where this came from. Psalm 18 is one of the Hillel Psalms. It's one of the Psalms that was sung at the time of the Passover. As a matter of fact, it's very likely that the hymn that was sung by Jesus and the disciples as they went out after they observed Passover more than likely could have been this Psalm along with the others that are found in this part of the Psalter. And so as we look at this psalm, we realize that this is a messianic psalm. And, and, and as we see it, it's a psalm of declaration. And in Psalm 118, 25, and 26, it says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Hosanna. That's what save us means. So when we say, Hosanna, we're crying out, God save, save us. John Piper does a good job of helping us understand this, and I'd like to read just a little bit. Hosanna, the son of David. Hosanna is actually a transliteration of a Greek word. The Greek word is Hosianna. Okay, so Hosanna. And so it was spelled out to come into English as Hosanna. So in Greek, you would cry out Hosanna. And so that word has been translated. Something happened to the phrase Hosanna. The meaning changed over the years. In the psalm, it was immediately followed by the exclamation, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The cry for help, Hoshiana, was answered almost before it came out of the psalmist's mouth. And over the centuries, the phrase stopped being a cry for help in the ordinary language of the Jews. Instead, it became a shout of hope and exultation. It used to mean, save, please. But gradually it came to mean salvation. Salvation has come. It used to be what you would say when you fell off the diving board. But it came to be what you would say when you saw the lifeguard coming toward you. See the difference? It is bubbling over of a heart that sees the hope and joy of salvation. And they see it on the way and can't help but get excited about it. So Hosanna really means hooray for salvation. Salvation is here. So as they cry out here and as we cry out, we sang together Hosanna this morning. Did you realize what you were singing when you sang that? Salvation is here. So as Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives on on the colt, floats on the ground, palm branches on the ground, signifying his future coming. As, as we look at that and realize the disciples crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, what they're declaring is, salvation's here. People, look. See? See Jesus? See the king of the Jews? He is your salvation. That's what they're crying out. They're crying, it's not that he's bringing salvation. He is your salvation. And so as we cry Hosanna, what we're crying is the absolute hope we have in the absolute truth that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's not a vain, oh, I hope I can be saved. It's I'm sure that Jesus can save. Amen? Amen. So as we look at this and we see that the king came to save, the second thing we see is that the king is rejected. The king is rejected. And, and it carries on in, in Luke chapter 19. I'm in verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. As Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives, and maybe some of you have had opportunity to be there, as we, as we come from Bethany to Jerusalem, you go up to the top of the Mount of Olives, and then you're able to look over Jerusalem. And there's something amazing if you've had opportunity to do that. Even today, there's something amazing about coming up to the top of the Mount of Olives and looking over Jerusalem and seeing the city that God loves so dearly, the place where his glory dwelt in the temple. 
And, and to look over that city and even now to see it with, with the Dome on the Rock on the Temple Mount, to imagine what it would have been like to come over and see it as the place where people were proclaiming worship of Almighty God. And as, as Jesus came over the top of the mountain and as he made his way down, he stopped at a point. And he stopped at a point, climbed off the colt, and looked over the city and wept. And he wept because the city was rejecting him. And he wasn't weeping because he was feeling bad about being rejected. He was weeping over the fact that salvation, which was possible, was being rejected. That people were choosing to move away from salvation instead of moving toward it. That people would choose chaos in their life instead of peace. That people would choose to be at enmity with God instead of being brought into a right relationship with God. He wept that that they would not know the peace that was right in front of them. In chapter 13 of Luke, Jesus is looking over Jerusalem. Verse 33, Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. He weeps over Jerusalem. You see, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. He's told the disciples that it's time for him to go to Jerusalem. And he's coming to Jerusalem because that's where prophets go to die. And Jesus is the prophet, the king, and the priest. And he's headed to Jerusalem where he will die. And yet, as he's headed there, his lament is not for himself, but it's for those who will choose instead to be removed from the peace of God. In chapter 19, verse 14, in Luke's account of the parable that Pastor Dave shared with us last week, in verse 14 it says, The citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. As Jesus gave that parable, we do not want this man to reign over us. The religious rulers had already chosen how they would steward the ministry position they had been given. And they would steward that position by turning away from the God that they served. How do you feel about the reign of Christ in your life? How do you feel about the reign of the king in your life? Have you come to a place in your life where you've realized that your sin has separated you from God? And the only way you could be right before him is by trusting Jesus, asking God to forgive you. 
Now, maybe you've come to a place where you've heard the gospel and you've responded to it and you feel like, okay, I'll just take Jesus and add him to everything else in my life. And, and so Jesus has in some way become your savior, but you've said, I'll continue to reign my life. Just as these religious rulers who had the appearance of a relationship with God had turned away from his peace, so often we can do the same thing. I know how much of my life I spent claiming the name of Jesus, but not living with his reign. I did not want him to reign over me. When Jesus was with Martha and Mary, and Mary was at the feet of Jesus, basking in his presence and living within the peace, Martha came and said, tell Mary to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by many things, but only one thing is important, the peace of God. And the peace of God comes in the presence of God. And if you reject the reign of God in your life, if you reject the reign of the king in your life, you can expect that you will reject the peace of God in your life. And you will move away from the presence of God in your life. In and of ourselves, in our old nature, we do not desire peace, we desire chaos. We desire the chaos that self-serving sin brings into our lives. The very thing that hurts us the most are the things that we move toward because we don't want the reign of Christ in our lives. But as he wept over Jerusalem and wept over the fact that the people would not accept the peace that would come to him, to them if they turned to him, what about you? What about me? Do I long for the reign of Christ in my life so that I could experience the peace that comes from that? The peace that he came to give. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace with God, peace with men, and peace with Jesus. The truth is this last year has has torn at us, hasn't it? It's been a year of anxiety. It's been a year of anxiousness. And it's been a year where we've received conflicting reports and and we watch things and who do you believe and who do you not believe? Could I suggest to you that you can believe the God of this book? And you can believe what God tells us here. And listen, if the things you're watching are making you anxious, if if the things of this world are taking control of your mind, if you're you're anxious about the, the situations that are around us and the things that are happening and they're controlling you and you're not experiencing the peace of God, could I tenderly ask you a question? What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Jesus weeps over people who reject his peace. So as we walk through this world, yes, in this world you will have trouble. But we have a king who came to save. We wait for coming king. 
The king came to save. The king is rejected. But the king will come in glory. Now, as we step into this Passion Week, um, if you've never picked up one of the Diving In before, I'd encourage you to pick one up on your way out. You can go on the website. It's under the Watch Live tab. You can download the Diving In. It's a daily devotional. And what this week looks at is, is on Monday, it looks, like, it looks at what was happening in the life of Christ on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, all the way through next Sunday with the Scripture readings. Because we know that as he came down the Mount of Olives and went into Jerusalem, then on Friday, he would die on the cross. But Sunday's coming. Amen. And Jesus will rise. And next week, we'll look at the fact that no matter what's happened in the world over the last year, Jesus is still risen. And he's at the right hand of God the Father. And he's coming back. There's a king who's coming. And as his disciples, will we be ready to declare? Will we be ready as the disciples were on that Palm Sunday? Will we be ready to declare, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Will we be ready to engage with people and help them understand that? Then the Lord will go out, Zechariah chapter 14 tells us, the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to the west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascends into heaven, the angels look at the disciples and say, why are you staring up there? He's coming back one day in the same way. Go get busy. It's a paraphrase. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. And the next time he comes back, when his feet hit that mountain, they're not going to be on some little colt and some coats. He's coming in power, and he's coming in glory. In Isaiah chapter 64, the first two verses... Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when the fire kindles brushwood, and, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to the adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. Have you ever cried that out to the Lord? Oh, God, that you might rend the heavens and come down. We've added the section in our prayer bulletin that talks about prayers of imprecation, those things that we pray against. Oh God, that you would come down and put an end to the sin that's in our world. But understand what that will look like. Then I saw the heavens opened. And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. He knows everything that's going on. His head has many diadems. He is ruler over everything. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. God has known the Son, God the Father and the Son forever. He has a name that's known only to himself. He's clothed in a robe that's dripped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. 
And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Listen, when, when Jesus comes back to do battle, the armies of heaven, notice, notice the warrior gear they have on. Robes of white linen. Who's doing the fighting? Jesus. Jesus will defeat all his enemies and the armies of, the armies of heaven will be coming with him with linen. And, and they'll be on their white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's your Jesus. That's your king. Your king is coming. And your king is coming in glory. And your king is coming in victory. And your king has entrusted you with this time to prepare, to prepare for his coming. He's, he's left us here to get busy so that as many people as possible can know the truth of who Jesus is. So that you can declare that Jesus has brought salvation into your life. So that you can help people know, just as those disciples did, as Jesus was walking down the Mount of Olives, that we declare, just as that choir stands out in the middle of a courtyard and declares, joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee, that we would join in a chorus that would declare and would make absolutely certain the fact that we are only able to stand right before God because Jesus is our King and the King who saves and God's people said, may we be bold as we wait for the king who will come and bring an end to all sin. So what? Does this stuff excite you? Are you ready for the coming of your king? If he were to come right now, would you be about what he wants you to be about? Are you ready? Do you know Jesus? Are you in a relationship with your king? Are you aware of his presence in your life? Are you distracted by the things of the world? Or does Jesus distract you from the things of the world because could I say to you it is much better to live your life distracted by the king of kings than it is to live your life distracted from the king of kings even so Lord Jesus quickly come Lord God we thank you and praise you for your tremendous love for us, for Jesus.